When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. All right, welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar here, Judd Zolgad for the first hour, Rami Maklov for the second, Jonathan Harrison out today. Lindsey Brown is in and will be participating in her first ever hot route. Sorry, Judd, no hot routes I, for you this, today. This stinks for me. Later in the I week, later in the routes. week, you'll get more hot routes. I, I don't like the, the Twitter response to hot routes. We could do it once an hour, but I just don't have that many headlines for the NFL. So at three twenty, we will be going through the NFL's headlines and breaking them down with uh, Rami Maklov. And at one twenty, we are going—I'm sorry, two twenty—we are going to give you the most football-y football thing that has ever footballed since the draft when we broke down offensive. I'm in on this though. Yes, you are. So this is good news for me. Play Actions with Ted Wynn of The Athletic. He wrote a great film piece breaking down all the interesting uses of play action. And the Vikings have talked a lot about the Kubiak system, how they want to use play action. So we're going to break that down. I like Ted. With but Ted Wynn. I like Ted, but it's a massive disappointment for me not being involved in, in hot routes. I'll, I know. I'll I'm, give you that. I'm sorry, I'll Judd. Later in the week. Okay. He'll be here all later right. in the week. All right. So I wrote a piece, Judd. I have been thinking about this since... Really the draft, but it started to crystallize this week at OTAs. Thinking about alternate reality versions of the Minnesota Vikings offseason. There have been a number of times where we've gone through, hey, what if they had done this? Or maybe this should have been their strategy or maybe that. And I've never taken the time to just write them all down and see what they look like. So I did it at scorenorth.com. You can go see the entire article there where I took four things that very reasonably could have happened. Free agents that the Vikings were interested in or signed for reasonable contracts, things that they could have done with their own roster, like not re-signing Anthony Barr, cutting Everson Griffin, trading Kyle Rudolph, things like that, Mm -hmm. and then tried to figure out what they would have done with the money and how strong they would have been as a team and wrote the benefits and drawbacks. So scorenorth.com is where you can find that. And I know that you've read the piece, Judd. So I'm, I'm going to go through these quickly without reading every word that I wrote. And mm-hmm. you can, we can break them down. Okay. Okay. So the first alternative offseason for the Vikings was the all in offense. So basically, the, everything that they did on the defensive side, keeping the corners, keeping Everson Griffin, don't do that. Instead, you sign. Mitch Morse, the center, Jared Cook, Golden Tate, Mark Ingram, the running back, and add a cheap cornerback in Kevin Johnson. So there's one, the all-in offense. 
The alternative offseason B is tweaks, making little little changes, little changes to what they did, getting drafting Noah Fant instead of Garrett Bradbury, signing a cheaper uh, center instead, drafting a guard in the third round, getting Randall Cobb as your number three receiver. And the big thing here would be signing a tackle instead of a guard, Juwan James. So there's the offseason B is the tweaks. Offseason option C is the all-in on defense, Judd. Signing Indomitian Sue and Eric Weddle <laughs> and drafting Montez Sweat. Yes. This is the Zim plan that the, you got. You keep everybody. You do have to cut Everson Griffin for this. But everybody else you keep, you draft two defensive ends, you draft a center just to fill that spot, and you get Indomitian Sue and Eric Weddle, and you load up on defense. And then the fourth one is basically running it back with everything that they did, except for in the draft, instead of Garrett Bradbury, they trade up and they take Dwayne Haskins. And then they get an offensive oh, lineman just in the small, third. That's just a small little yeah. thing right that's there. That's just a little thing. <laughs> that's just a, oh, let's take that's a That's just a little thing. Run it back yep. with a twist. So let's start with the first one in, in this right. alternative off seasons, the all in on offense. Mm-hmm. This was the one that I had proposed at the beginning of the off season. And I actually thought it was possible that they might go with, and they decided to kind of go status quo. But this is the one that I'm going to think about the most as we go forward is what if they had decided we're going to give Kirk everything. How much do you think the head coach of the Vikings also stood in the path of this plan? This plan, actually, after seeing a year of Kirk, is sellable. Like, you could go to the Wilfs. I think you could go to your, um, if you're Spielman, executive staff, and sell this plan and say, we are all in on this quarterback. He needs more help than we thought. Our uh, coach is really good at scheming defense. And that Mike was the last guy to say, we can't do that. Not to me. Because this plan is not pie-in-the-sky silly. I think that you could sit down and make a very good case that that with the mandate to try and win a Super Bowl, that it's a, a common-sense view of what can we do to take a good quarterback and potentially make him great for a year. So let me go over this. I'll answer your question in a second. Let me go over this in a little more detail, the one we're talking about, the all-in offense plan in the alternative reality Vikings off-seasons. This would have meant signing a top-10 center in Mitch Morse for a lot of money, albeit, uh, signing Jared Cook, trading away Kyle Rudolph, getting Golden Tate, Mark Ingram, Kevin Johnson, and drafting Marquise Brown, Irv Smith, and then a corner, Justin Lane, to fill in the spot left by Trey Wayans, who would be traded in this scenario. So you're moving out Wayans, you're moving out Barr, you're moving out Griffin, and you're bringing in all this offensive talent. Now... I think just in general, since the Vikings have built themselves around defense and given Mike Zimmer essentially the final call on these things, because even when I had a sit down with Rick Spielman in 2017 at the break, at the bye week, Mm -hmm. Rick was telling me about how Zimmer had the vision for all of the players that they've gotten in position. So everything came back to, give you an example, Tom Johnson. Came back to Mike Zimmer. Now, Mike Zimmer didn't know Tom Johnson was playing in the CFL, but Mike Zimmer had the vision for a guy who was about 275 pounds, undersized, three technique, to play on third downs, to rush the passer, go find me a guy. And now the front office says, okay, this is this is what he wants. So the, it's the old Bill Parcells grocery and shopping. Well, Mike Zimmer is making the shopping list, and 
Spielman is going to the store and getting the groceries and bringing them back. That's how it tends to work with the Vikings. So do I think that Zimmer stood in the way of the all-in offense plan? Absolutely. I think if you had gone to Mike Zimmer with the all-in offense plan and said, we're getting rid of Barr, we're getting rid of Griffin, we're trading Trey Waynes, and we're getting all this offensive talent around Kirk Cousins, he would have laughed and walked out of the room. And, and because he would have said, you brought me here to win with defense. Right. We've done a lot of winning with defense. Yes. He's well over 500 as a head coach and has a trip to the NFC Championship game. And we got there with a number one defense, and that's how it's going to stay. But this plan, I think, in terms of 2019, how good you have to be on offense to be actually competitive, the fact that you ranked 19th in scoring and 20th in yards last year, that's not even close. Even if you add the number one defense, that's just not even close to where yes. you need to be. And- and th- this plan would have been short term and potentially dangerous. Yes. But given the mandate that we think this team has for this coming season, you could say to yourself, it might be worth it. And it is a it is a high risk because if you're signing someone like yeah. Golden Tate, exactly. he's in his thirties. Mark Ingram is a running back and he might have his best years behind him, or he might still be really good. Um and if you're talking about Drafting someone like Marquise Brown and Irv Smith and asking them to play roles right away. You don't know if they can play roles right away as rookies. And what you would have done is subtracted Pro Bowler, Pro Bowler, and really solid starter in Trey Wayans for some guys with questions. Jared Cook also in his 30s. You would have been really going all in on doing everything for Kirk. But the justification, I think, for the all-in offense alternative reality plan is just... The moment you sign Kirk Cousins, you deviate from what you were supposed to be when you originally hired Mike Zimmer. And Rick Spielman has told us before, hey, we always planned on paying a quarterback, but you didn't plan on paying him this much. If they had signed Teddy Bridgewater, if everything had gone status quo and they had signed Teddy Bridgewater to a long-term contract extension, which probably would have happened before 2017, that they would have been talking about that extension. So even if they were great 2017, he probably would have signed the deal. You might be talking $100 million over five years or something like that. You might be talking cap hits in the 18 to $20 million range because that was the going price at that time. It was not $30 million cap hits, and that really does change the game. I mean, that's what you pay a Pro Bowl player is $10 million. That, that changes the entire plan, and I think that that should have changed their course, especially after seeing Except, what happened last don't year. Don't you think, and now, now I do think the day that they signed Kirk, that the one thing Zim told them is, that's fine, this might work, but it can't impact me and my defense. Yes, I and definitely think that. And I think that was that. a definite thing. And, and if you go back and watch that press conference, I will tell you right now, the one guy up at that podium who didn't seem thrilled by the entire thing was named Mike Zimmer. It, it, yes, I remember his body language sitting in the corner that day. Uh, he and- looked like He looked like a guy saying, my God, did we just really invest this much into a quarterback. And he had a huge smile on his face there in Sheldon Richardson. Yes. Who, and, by the way, they brought for yeah. him to take around the building while Kirk was there <laughs> because he wanted a defensive toy to play with. They did, yes. And uh, so, I mean, I, this one is the most far away from realistic in my mind because of that. Because it's who you signed on to to run your franchise. And if we think about the one where we need to credit Mike Zimmer, Judd, is they were 32nd when he took over. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, they had not been that competitive during really most of the Adrian Peterson era, not including Brett Favre. They had struggled with quarterbacks. They had struggled with even defenses in a a lot of years. And 
Mike Zimmer's presence here has stabilized the franchise to where they are consistently talked about as one of the top teams and keeping players. Players don't want to leave here. They want to sign long-term contract extensions. They want to try to win. And to a man, they will say that the reason that they signed for less money is because they want to be here and they think this team has a chance to win. That's not something that was going on before he got here. It's just when you're going to stay the course after getting a quarterback who needs everything around him. Right. The stat that I have in my article is that when his supporting cast was at its absolute peak, way better than it is now, in my opinion, 2016, that pro football focus had Kirk Cousins as the eighth best quarterback. For quarterback rating, he was seventh. And for QBR, ESPN stat, he was sixth. So that's not just he was playing well when they were down. I mean, this is like he was doing Deshaun Jackson, Pierre That Garçon, line was great as well, correct. Brandon Schreff and Trent Williams, the yeah. line was great. So that's the justification there for the all-in on offense. And that's the one that I think that we're going to go over time and time again. Now, you tell me which one of these other ones, mm-hmm. B, C, and D, and we can circle back to this after we talk to Ted Wynn, which, which one do you want to talk about for a couple minutes here? Which one stuck out to you aside from the all-in offense? Um, I love the word tweaks. I want you, because you know in this town we love to tweak. We do love. To so, tweak. let's go with tweaks. Okay. So for the alternative reality plan, which I wrote about this scorenorth.com, I went through a bunch of potential off-season options that the Vikings would have had and how things might have played out. Now, the tweaks here were trading Kyle Rudolph, cutting Everson Griffin. You got to make that cap space and signing a tackle Jawan James. Also bringing in Randall Cobb, the wide receiver, and you draft Noah Fant and A.J. Brown, two guys they could have picked, and then take Penn State's Connor McGovern in the third round, a guard, to compete for that spot. Now it's tweaks because it's mostly running a lot of it back, but now you're moving Brian O'Neill to left tackle, you're moving Riley Reef inside, and then you're adding weapons in Cobb, Fant, and Brown around Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Do you like it? Do you dislike it? Um... The Griffin move, the cut there, I, I like a lot because to this day, I don't understand why he wasn't cut. I don't know if if I look at this plan offensively, how much it truly improves you. The all-in offense plan, I'll keep go- going back there. The That makes you, that put puts Kirk Cousins in an ideal position, Collar, to be as successful as possible. And, and if he fails, then it's on him completely. This plan to me is dipping a toe in the offensive water, but I don't know that it would truly be successful. And, yeah. You know, and we talked about Cobb. Uh, but the moment the moment that Barr came back, to me, that signified or does signify that this team was going to continue to put a huge pri- priority on defense, even if that meant that that was at the expense of a quarterback who we probably have learned wasn't quite as good as we anticipated. So the two moves here that shaped the offseason for the Vikings were keeping Everson Griffin and bringing back Anthony Barr. And when you do one of those two things, you basically end up with the same team, essentially. Now, in this plan, instead of spending money on someone like Josh Klein, and instead of spending a first-round pick on a center, which is always risky, I I think only risky because of positional value, where a lot of the better centers in the league are drafted second, third round, and you can sign them for very reasonable prices if they're not a star. Um, so you, from that perspective, from the draft value, it's 
probably a reach when you take one at 18. So my thinking here was don't go with that. Instead, get the tackle, which is worth paying for, and then you draft Fanton Brown to surround him a little bit. But if Fanton Brown don't step up right away, then you're right back where you were, and the offensive line is just as bad. This feels very much the tweaks, very much like what they did, only without the Kyle Rudolph trade that's thrown in there. But the Anthony Barr signing really changed the course of where they went. So we're going to get to the other two later on the show. But coming up next, a good buddy of uh, Purple Daily here, Ted Wynn, writes for The Athletic and is a guy who's one of the best analysts out there breaking down film. He did an awesome film piece on play action. We will discuss it with him next and what it means to the Vikings when we return on Purple Daily. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. The Town Ball Classic is Saturday, June 22nd at Target Field with three great Town Ball matchups. See all three games for just $10, all while benefiting the Twins Community Fund. For tickets and more information, visit scorenorth.com, keyword Town Ball. All right, thank you, Lindsay. We are back here on Purple Daily. Very excited for this extremely football interview we have coming up for you on, uh, from The Athletic, a guy who's been on a number of times. To break things down, our friend Ted Wynn. What's up, Ted? Doing well. How are you? Oh, man. I am great reading uh, your article here, Breaking Down Play Actions. And this is something, Ted, that we've been talking about here quite a bit for the upcoming season because Gary Kubiak is here with his offense, and uh, I think that it does a lot more for Kirk Cousins when he can operate play action. He's one of the few quarterbacks that is consistent year to year with excellent statistics when he runs play action. So I want to start out with one of the sections in your article where you say, marrying your play action concept with your run game. Now this is something that is, uh, I'm sure you've seen, Ted, become a big argument on the interwebs about how valuable running is. And I think this is where the running game is still extremely valuable, Ted, when you can make pass plays look like run plays, then you can have explosive plays off of those. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I totally agree. And yeah, there's a huge argument going on right now with you know, the analytics community devaluing the run game. And there, there's a lot of evidence that uh, the run game is less valuable than, uh, you know, the status quo of older traditional coaches saying that you have to establish the run. Uh, I don't quite buy into the argument that the run game doesn't matter and we have to keep running to a minimum. I think there is a value to it. And I'm actually working an article right now that presents the entire analytics argument. And I'm trying to present the coach's argument for, for why the run does matter. So I do believe there is value to the run game. And like you said, um, marrying your run game to your play action is very important. And with Gary Kubak, you guys are going to have the outside zone run game. And in my opinion, that's the best play actions come from the outside zone run game because that play fake takes that extra half a second when the quarterback has to run and stretch out. And that extra second really confuses the defense. It gives them another second of thinking about whether it's going to be run or pass. So, Ted, in, as you watch film of uh, this concept as well, 
What makes Cousins good? What makes what's the difference between a quarterback who can sell sell the play action, uh, be successful, and get defenses to bite, as opposed to guys that uh, don't have as much success with that play? I, I think it's it's about being very detail oriented, and Kirk Cousins is very detail oriented, and it just comes to little things like where your eyes on your play action fake, if you're holding out the ball long enough, are you staring at the running back's pockets? All these little body language things really play into making play action believable. And that's what Peyton Manning was so good at it. I've talked to former linebackers that have played against Peyton Manning, and they were just really um, complimentary of how he handled his run fakes and play action fakes together. I think Cousins has that kind of detail orientation. I think he can be really good at doing that. Talking with Ted Wynn of The Athletic. You could follow his work there or on Twitter. Always tweets out the articles at FB underscore film analysis. Or you could probably just type in Ted Wynn to the little box if you can't remember that. Um, play action screens are something you wrote about, Ted. And this is a concept that I absolutely love for potentially with the Vikings getting a little bit creative here. Because you have... Delvin Cook, who's a big-time playmaker with the ball in his hands. Stephon Diggs showed last year that wide receiver screens work for him. Um, But connecting those with play actions, I think, offers for a quarterback free yards a lot of times, right? As soon as If you can execute it and just get it into a playmaker's hands, you don't have to make a great throw. You don't have to sit in the pocket and take the punishment of a defensive end coming down on you. Can you explain how the play-action screens can work and if you expect... Um, in Gary Kubiak's system to see some of those this year? I think uh, screen game, the screen game is very, it's hard to execute and it's hard in NFL because you have to fool a bunch of people. And I think the best offensive coordinators in NFL, they have a, a very effective, consistent screen game that works game after game. Uh, you know, guys like, um, like Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, those guys, Andy Reid, those guys in their screen game, it, it seems like it's almost always effective. And I think, Part of that has to do with their creativity, adding these layers of deception, using motion, shift, and that kind of thing to, um, to make their screen game even harder to read. Um, so I think when you add play action with screens, one, when a linebacker sees the run action, they're moving forward. And then when they read play action, they're moving backwards. And then as they're moving backwards, you throw a screen in front of them, it's hard for them to, to then move forward again to defend those screens. So just innately, that's, it's harder to defend when you add a play action to it. So, the best offense coordinators are able to marry all those elements together. Uh, I, I haven't really studied Gary Kubiak's screen game that well, so I can't give you an answer on whether um, his screen game is going to be that creative. But guys that he's uh, that are part of his coaching tree definitely has that creativity to go with their screen game. What uh, de- what defense, as you watch film of this, Ted, do you find is the best at defending it too and does not get fooled? Uh, anytime you have a defense that, that are, is just really good at playing man coverage, uh, it, it's hard to pull them the screens because you you automatically have a linebacker that's following that running back, and if he's doing his job and keeping his eyes on that running back, then he's going to be able to blow up the screen. But if you have an undisciplined team that gets their eyes in the wrong places, that's when um, these screen plays can really become explosive. Yeah, and I think maybe that's part of the reason why Zimmer's defenses are generally really good at it. He puts a lot of focus on where guys' eyes are supposed to be, and if somebody has it wrong, we hear about it after the game, <laughs> that there were eyes in the wrong place from somebody. Now, that uh, let me follow up on that, Ted. Last year, I asked Mike Zimmer, I said, what if you had your linebackers not bite at all? 
Like every run play, they just stood there, and every play action, they just dropped back right away. They didn't jump up at all. They didn't take that one step. I said, have you ever considered that? Poor phrasing by me on the question. He goes, no. And then, and then I asked Anthony Barr. I was like, you know, what would happen if you did that? He's like, well, they would run all over you, so you can't do that. Am I crazy, Ted, in thinking that defenses have to adjust because everybody's got their hands on their on the numbers here, and everybody could see that most quarterbacks are having much more success when play action is run? Yeah, I think so, but I think there's always that fear that you know if a, a team really gets a ground game going on you, on you, you can't really do anything about it. Even if you, you know, you can make all these adjustments, but if, if a game if if a team really has their run game going. It's just hard to defend, and I think that's the big fear that NFL defenses have against, um, you know, with stopping a run. And you know, even if um, even if the play action game is going, it's just natural for them to move with their gaps. You know, on that outside zone stretch, the gaps are moving. That's why it's such a good um, such a good run action to play fake off of. When the gaps move, the linebackers are going to move with them because they don't want to give up a hole. And it's just it's been ingrained in them since you know youth football, so it's really hard to get out of that mindset. Um, the team started doing a little bit of what you're talking about against the Rams towards the end of the season where they had certain defenders flow really hard to the run, and they had other defenders kind of just play soft and drop back towards where the boot would be, and it, it, it turned out to be effective. So there, there, there is some truth to what you're saying, but there'll never I don't think there'll ever be a time where a coach just tells his linebackers, unless it's in specific situations, to just drop back and then react to the run. Yeah, I, I think that these coaches are really afraid, especially of having the other team run it down their throat. That it, it is the I will say this from the psychological aspect that I know the numbers and the data and, and what it says about running, but I totally believe in the psychology of sports, Ted. And when someone is just hammering the football down your face, I think about that game uh, with the the Chargers and the Patriots, where they put in my favorite player James Devlin, and they just stuffed it up the middle with Sony Michelle, and they got big run after big run. And it just seemed like the Chargers were demoralized by that. Don't you think, Ted? I mean, it feels to me like there's something to that that coaches absolutely hate, so they'll never go too far in changing how they handle play action. Yeah, and, you know, you got to think when you run the ball, um, there the chance of a turnover is a lot less because there's a, there's a risk of fumble, but there's no risk of interception. I think there's probably a bigger risk of a fumble on a pass play because the quarterback can get sacked, the receiver can give him a fumble. Yeah, we and, know about that uh, here, Ted. We saw we yeah. saw a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. And and you're risking a sack too. A sack is often a drive killer too. So, if you run the ball, it's it's just a safe handoff and if a guy, if a team is just pounding the ball on you, they're not risking anything and they can run the same plays over and over again and you just can't do anything about it. So, I think there is a psychological um aspect to it that the analysts can't quite um, measure. So I was listening to, uh, you know, Brandon Thorne, our buddy, our offensive line guy, his podcast, and Damian Woody was talking about how Belichick is super obsessed with situations, and it made me think about this debate, how everything is a situation in football, so even some of the numbers might say, well, yes, in this situation you should do this or that, or that over a long period of time um, running the ball isn't the smarter thing to do, but at the same time, if you're Bill Belichick and everything is in that hyper-focused micro, you're going to say, well, well, look, the Chargers mm-hmm. can't stop us, so why would I not do something that they couldn't stop in this situation, even if on the big picture it's not worth it. It's kind of like bunting sometimes is the right thing to do, so... Anyway, 
One last thing for you, Ted. You're out there and you go to uh, Oakland Raiders training camp and follow the Raiders very closely. What are you thinking about this team, man? I am just really excited to see what happens with the Oakland Raiders. You know that I love John Gruden because of all the QB camps and everything else, and I enjoyed him on TV. Is this team actually going to be good? I mean, they made a lot of moves, and they, they look good. I mean, Derek Carr, he typically looks good during this time of season, but he, he, the OTAs I was at, he it was very impressive. I don't think he's thrown an incomplete pass um, in OTAs that, that were open to the public, and just watching Antonio Brown, man, it's, it's just special. He's a Hall of Fame caliber player, and being able to see that live is just special. He's making plays in camp. You can see the route running ability. The offensive line is a lot better than it was last year. You know, Colton Miller added some weight. Trent Brown's at the right tackle position. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the Richie Incognito signing because of off-field reasons, but if he's healthy and he looks like he's in good shape, he's an all-pro guard, uh, defense could be improved. The only problem is that they have an extremely, extremely tough schedule. Uh, one of the tougher ones I've seen. So even if they're an improved team, I, this schedule might actually hurt them and not – be, might be the reason why they don't make the playoffs, even if they're an approved team. Yeah, and I read that the Patriots, for the whatever number year in a row, have the easiest schedule in football. It's like that's great. That's that's good. That'll yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that'll slow them down. Uh, anyway, follow Ted on Twitter at FB underscore film analysis and his work at The Athletic, one of my go-to guys. Every time an article gets published, I'm reading it immediately from Ted. So Ted, great work, and thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me on. Yep, for sure. There, there's uh, a few people that I trust with film analysis, Judd. There's not many that you can because everyone has access to the film now. So one is Sage Rosenfels yep. because he's a super smart football man. And Ted is another go-to guy. He's so good at this. Ted just um, dropped a great line. The gaps are moving. The, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> the gaps yeah. are moving has to Ted be a staple of the show. Extremely football. So to your point, think about this. Nickel package defensively. Take your idea. Linebackers drop back. So they, they don't address the, the run. But what you have is one safety cheat up. So be, because you're trying, I, I believe what you're saying is take away the successful short passing game, right? Right. Not the deep downfield pass. So if you have your, if you're in nickel, so you've got two linebackers out there, they drop back to take that away. One safety cheats up. One safety comes in and it basically is a, a pseudo third LB. How about that idea? Yeah, that I think is something we're going to see from Mike Zimmer, where they're going to use J. Ron Curse as that pseudo third guy. So in run situations, you have someone who's big enough to stuff the run still, right. but can also cover linebackers, can cover wide receivers if he has to. And he's a unique player. And I got an email about that yesterday. I am very interested to see how uh, Mike Zimmer decides to use him. But Zimmer had a quote about using J. Ron Curse as a linebacker and using him more and things like that. I kind of think about what we heard about Anthony Barr rushing the passer over and over again, that this is the time where they'll say, oh, yeah, we're going to be so creative and do so many different things. And then they just kind of run what they've always run because it's had a lot of success. I think it's because this team is so good at man coverage that Harrison Smith is just one of the best players in the NFL and can cover anybody. And right. And he's got amazing instincts and his reads are fantastic so he knows when you're running play action when you're not he knows what you're doing before you do it he knows what your play action package is this is the guy 
uh, Harrison Smith that's at his locker on a Friday while everybody else is eating barbecue, looking at his iPad, studying film. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I, I think that that advantage right there, any coach, lots of coaches are smart, but, and, and I don't doubt that Mike Zimmer is an exceptionally genius defensive mind. That guy is such a huge difference maker when it comes to this, that they can do anything with him. So I don't know if they're going to get super creative or if they're just going to make you love the word tweaks, some tweaks to the way they handle this, because I think that every team is figuring out that there's a huge advantage to using the play actions. And my guess is that that's how the Vikings deal with it. Exactly what you said is mixing it up a little. I also think another thing we might see is three man fronts. If, if Zimmer's getting a little more creative, I think we'll see yeah, we've seen that before. Yeah. That a little, last year a was the bit, first yeah. time we had seen it on third downs, yeah. but I think we might see it more. What did uh, what did the Patriots defense show us in the Super Bowl against the Rams that's now going to be adopted? Well, the same thing that they did against the Vikings, where they didn't show you pre-snap. They outweighed you, basically. Which I absolutely love. It, it was brilliant. It really was. And the Vikings did that to the Rams in the game here, mm-hmm. but then were not able to do that against the Rams in the game in Los Angeles. But the way that they confused Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff, who might as well be looking at the in the mirror at each other, really. Um same type of players, same type of strength, same type of weaknesses, uh, you know, McVay guys. They waited and waited and waited, so they did not show pre-snap. They had linebackers moving around. They had everybody standing up, yep. especially in that Vikings game where everybody was standing up. And that's, you know, Delvin Cook averaged a lot of yards per carry, but they couldn't throw the ball effectively because Kirk Cousins was confused a lot at the line of scrimmage. I think that that's another reason to use the three-man front so you can have a lot of people moving around. Why is Cousins, because we've talked about this before, his preparation's outstanding. Yes, absolutely. Why does Cousins get confused at times when when if if you watch him uh, practice and talk to him, you, you would think that the one thing that he wouldn't have is a confusion problem. So here's my theory on that. I think that if your name isn't Tom Brady or Drew Brees, that you get confused about the same number of times that Kirk Cousins does per game. But if you're Deshaun Watson and you get confused by the Patriots, you're like, oh, uh, what I thought I saw wasn't there. Roll out. I'll just run. And this goes for slow quarterbacks, too, who can shuffle and move. I mean, Aaron Rodgers does this all the time. And I know Vikings fans are going, that's because offensive line holds. Maybe you're right. But he shuffles around and he moves and he what they call resets the protection where he has a sense for where his blocking is going to be yes. and where the rushers are and he moves his body to where it's going to be harder for them to get to him. And Kirk can't do that? He is, I think, has these moments where, I don't want to say panics because I, that's like calling him out or insulting, but where he, what he saw was not there and then it's, now what do I do? Pat the ball. Sort of sit yeah. in the same spot. Yeah. It's kind of like, can he walk and chew gum? There's that. And I mean, this is milliseconds we're talking about difference between him and some other guys. But I think that the fight or flight type of thing, do I roll out? Do I run? Do I throw it into traffic? Do I throw it away? That with him, because he doesn't have that first tick of shuffle the pocket or move. Teddy, Teddy was shuffling the pocket. Teddy would drop back and he'd get way deep because North Turner. And then something breaks down or he didn't see what he thought he was going to see. And so it was climb the pocket. It was shuffle. It was run. It was roll out. And that helped him be more effective. That's where the off schedule stuff, I think that that's where it makes it hard for Kirk. And that's why play action works so brilliantly for him because he, all he has to do is execute exactly what he was supposed to do. Right. And boom, you got yards. But the off schedule stuff in theory should work 
for him because of preparation. So this is so you're you're saying it is a a split second um, bang, and he can't adjust to that. So here's how I would put that. Let's say that you go to driving school to be a stuntman, and I'm showing you all these things. And you are on top of it. You're studying, you're working super hard. Right. And it's like, okay, when this happens, you're going to do this. And this is this is your A, B, C, D reactions to X, Y, and Z. And you've got it. You're my best student. But when it happens, it happens that fast. And if you are just slightly slow, you're not a stuntman. Yeah, I might be dead. And he, and he does it fast enough to be an NFL quarterback. And his preparation is so great. His accuracy, his throwing mechanics, all those things are outstanding. But if you're just... A little tick difference or your natural reaction is to say, I don't know, if we're using the driving example, pull into a ditch or slam on the brakes as opposed to what you're supposed to do or going off schedule, then you're going to be in a car accident and die. Yeah, I don't appreciate that. I quit. I quit as a stuntman. Sorry, Judd. That's what happened. But I think that that's the way that I would explain it is when it's not what he sees, it's hop in one spot, it's pat the football, and it's... Look, look, look. Okay, I got to figure this out. I got to figure this out. I got to figure this out. And that's where the fumbles come from. That's where we saw interceptions happen this way in Chicago. Something wasn't there with Kyle Rudolph on a play, and he threw it anyway. And the same thing on the uh, second pick that went for a pick six against Chicago. The Dolphins play, right? The Dolphins play, I think, was execution. Okay. I think. My understanding was that there was supposed to be kind of a natural pick that was set that wasn't set. Oh, that's right. Kirk did. Yeah. And he, he volunteered that. He volunteered information. that information, but but still, it's, Chicago um, fooled him on this second interception, the one that went for a pick six, and he threw it anyway. And that does happen to him. I mean, here's a great example: when he throws it backwards to Latavius Murray, something went wrong. There was something that was there that he didn't see or didn't react quick enough to, and his reaction was to turn it around and just get rid of it and throw it to someone that it could have been disastrous yeah, if he didn't see it coming. Not a good decision. Where other quarterbacks, and I'm only saying the guys who are really great at this, because if you're below, if you're, I mean, there are hundreds of quarterbacks. Jameis Winston wouldn't have fared any better. Horrific at this. Yeah. So, so I mean, if you're EJ Manuel, for example, like you're absolutely awful at this and nowhere close to Kirk Cousins. But there are some guys, Pat Mahomes, Mahomes might shuffle to his left, be having his total body facing left and then fling it back right as hard as you could throw it, you know, just. So that's, I think, where that difference is. And Gary Kubiak's job is to protect against that as best as he can. Football. That's everybody. a lot of football All breakdown. Right. And there. a lot of late to the break. The gaps Sorry, are Lindsay. moving, Matthew. The, the gaps, gaps are, are moving. moving. Okay, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back on Purple Daily. He understands, uh, you know, what we do well, um, you know, kind of how we're going to do certain things. Um, and, and this is his system that fits him really well. So uh, you can tell that he's confident um, and, and he knows, um, he kind of knows where we're going to be before we're even there. So uh, it's nice to have that synergy and, and hopefully he can continue to grow it, uh, with this new offense. That is Adam Thielen speaking with Vikings.com. Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad, Rami Maklov will spend hour number two here and we will do hot routes. Lindsey Brown producing in for Jonathan Harrison today. So lots still to come on the show. Also want to discuss Roger Goodell saying that four preseason games are probably not necessary. So we'll do that in the next hour. Um, Judd, so we went over our alternative reality offseason stuff. You can see that at scorenorth.com. But I, I want to talk about what we just heard for a second. 
the buzz around Kirk Cousins and Gary Kubiak slash Kevin Stefanski is that Kirk understands it much better than what was going on last year. And nobody wants to say, oh man, DeFilippo, you guys don't even know what a bleep show that was with DeFilippo. Mm -hmm. But everybody's saying it in terms of read between the lines. There were a lot of jabs taken at DeFilippo over the the final three uh, games of last season. By the tight end. By the head coach, the tight end, and a lot of backhanded sort of compliments of, well, you know, Stefanski has made it less crazy now. You know, Um, I am buying this, Judd. I am buying that the Shanahan offense, the Kubiak offense is a better fit for Kirk Cousins and that it will lead to at least some upgrade in his play and overall comfort. So that being said, Matthew Collar, how unhappy should Vikings fans be that this big of a misjudgment was made on, on an offense run by a quarterback in the first year of a minuscule three-year contract. Like, this is a big swing. And coming off 13-3 and three and thinking that, that you had upgraded your uh, the most important position probably in all of sports and a swing and miss now like that was a... Somebody really screwed up. If this is... If these shots in hindsight are accurate... Somebody messed up really badly here. In a way, when they talk about how much better it is with Kubiak and Stefanski, it is an acknowledging that Absolutely. that was a huge mistake. And at the end of the season, in the final press conference of the year, of course, the offensive coordinator thing was a, a conversation. And the question was asked to Mike Zimmer, what, what are you going to do different than you did before to not make the same mistake that you made with John Filippo?" And he said he was going to ask more questions. And then he kind of went, well, not that I didn't ask questions. It was like, okay, I'm not going to mess it up again is basically um, what he was trying to get at. But with Filippo, I think it's pretty easy to figure out. They were coming off a really embarrassing loss. Yeah. And Mike Zimmer wanted to know how the Philadelphia Eagles took advantage of his defense. <laughs> yes. And John Filippo, part of this is not his fault. I will say that. He brought the Philadelphia Eagles offense over with some tweaks and some things that Pat Shermer had used before, but he brought a lot of that offense over. And here's how I know my friend, Bobby Peters, who writes books about teams offenses. I've got the Chicago bears version. He just put out the Tennessee Titans version and I'm going to get that and and take a look at what Matt LaFleur is going to do for the Packers this year. He does these great books and he did one on the Philadelphia offense to a T. It was exactly what the Vikings were using. Here's the problem. They had Lane Johnson. They had right. Jason well, Kelsey. But here's what, okay, here's what teams ordinarily do. You beat me bad. And now your QB, QB coach is, you know, potentially going to come and talk to me. What the really smart teams do is take advantage of that, steal as much information as they could possibly and then get, don't hire the and guy. then say, thank you, John. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll call you, John. Well, so this is where I'm saying that John Filippo deserves a little bit of a break on this that I totally buy that he was overdoing it with his offense and that it was Philly's offense that did not fit Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. However, there were a number of games where all they needed was a throw. Chicago is one of them. Stefan Diggs running wide open. You just need a throw there. You just need a block. Well, yeah. The Los Angeles Rams game. I mean, it's 
Patriots game, Seahawks yeah, game. Yeah, you just all were attainable to win. You needed a block. You needed a throw. Yes. You needed a person on the field to step well, up. And a lot of it became this guy, it's his fault. He's the scapegoat. And that's not fair. I think I think the biggest in in hindsight now, going back, I think the biggest misjudgment made in this entire thing was the and and this I don't get because you, you watched every snap he took on film. From his days in Washington. But I think the biggest misjudgment was an assumption that Cousins could do things that, in fairness, he could not do. Yeah. And so they thought Flip would be fine because he's going to be able to do this and Philadelphia beat us. So that's going to be. There were a series of assumptions made that, in hindsight now, was a huge mistake. And if if you're Mike Zimmer and you're hiring that position... Why would you not look for a guy who runs the Kubiak Shanahan offense? I mean, much, that, that's think, my big question. Much, that's what he had in Washington. How much do you think ultimately Mike was that guy, or or it filtered through Rick to Mike? I just I don't know on a day to day basis out there how much Mike does that goes beyond defense. I think he's got a say in everything. Yeah, but but does he then? But does he actively pursue things? Or do uh, position groups that don't don't matter as much to him filter through to his office eventually? This one felt like it was a Mike Zimmer hire, and maybe that was why he was so irritated with it going badly. There was another part of it, and everyone, or especially John Filippo, would deny this until the end of days. But the reality is the guy knew he was on the cusp of being a head coach in the league. He was already getting some interviews and all he had to do was come here, have one good season of offense, show how genius and uh, interesting he can be and how many different formations he can run out there and how many different personnel packages and all these different things and complicated route adjustments, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Here's, here's how much football I can be on the offensive side. And then he would get a head coaching job. And I, you could say all day long, oh, that that didn't influence anything. It had to. I mean, if you're one decent season away with Kirk Cousins, one playoff season and a good offense away from your dream job as head coach, you're going to act that way. And the way that the players talked after he was fired sounded like that. Like they talked about simplifying under Kevin Stefanski. I have looked, Judd, I found one. I have looked at a Gary Kubiak playbook and gone through it. Um, from early 2000s. It's not simple. It right. isn't It isn't like the easy thing. It's What they were trying to say is this guy was overdoing it, and I think that that was part of it, so he could go back and say, look at all these amazingly smart things I put in. Yes. Well, and, and now, too, if you see the Rams or, or the most sophisticated teams, you see teams that, that structurally, it's intricate, right? Yeah. Yep. I mean, there's yep. a lot there. And so it almost becomes who's the smartest guy. But a guy like McVay has natural talent there. Yeah, McVay is on a completely exactly. different level. But everybody I don't wants think to people be, should compare anyone to McVay. But everybody wants to be him, right? Yep. So Kingsbury's totally going right. to try and be yep. him, and that's just not possible. All right. Thank you, Judd, for your time I'm and so service. I'm so upset I'm missing this. You've been on the radio a lot today. But I love hot routes. Yes. Yes, you do. And you are not going to get to do hot routes. Rami Maklov, we're bringing in the righty. Coming up next, another hour of Purple Daily here on Score North. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 
free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.